Welcome to another episode of the Heat Strokes Podcast. <laughs> oh, I should have yelled too. Hosted by Brady Cannon. Presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Get ready to experience golf as you've never seen and heard it before. The price is wrong. Through the lens of Brady's experienced eye as he braves the toughest courses in the West under the scorching Las Vegas heat. Your course reviews, expert PGA analysis, and top weekly golf betting strategies are teed up and ready to fire. Here's your starter, Brady Cannon. It is DeadHeatGolf.com, home of the Heat Strokes podcast, presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Welcome in, everybody. Episode number two of the Heat Strokes podcast. I'm Brady Cannon here with a special friend and guest host this week, JT the Brick from Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. JT, great to have you along. Thank you so much for taking some time out to do this. And and let's be honest, Matt Humans and I, you know, we came up with this idea, but you're a part of the Heat Strokes gang too. We play a lot of golf in the dead heat of summertime. And in fact, you, Matt, and myself have all played in the summer heat out here in Las Vegas together on occasion before. Well, if you live out here, Brady, great to be on. You got to get used to playing in the heat. And I don't care if you're playing in deep Henderson or where I live in Summerlin, whatever side of town you're playing, if you want to get in great golf, you got to play in the heat. And it's starting to get that way because we had a brutally cold winter for us out here. Very cold. There were a lot of times I said, you know, I don't need to play on a Friday or Saturday. I'll wait for the weather to get warm. And it finally warmed up. And I'm looking forward to getting out and golfing with you, my good friend. Well, thankfully, it looks like we may have an extended springtime as well. Yeah. Temperatures, uh, even though they've hit the 90s today, we're still supposed to go back down to the 70s here throughout the rest of the month of April. But the triple digits are not far away. And of course, that's when we'll be hitting the links. The course that we will review today is the historic, iconic Las Vegas Country Club. What a beauty. Designed by Edmund Alt in 1967 and then a redesign by Mark Rather in 2009 he really didn't do much changing to the golf course at all just kind of brought it up to modern standards and whatnot but a classic traditional parkland golf course no desert accents or desert influences to speak of at all this is really the most non-desert course in all of las vegas mature pine trees lining the fairways and of course it is just a few blocks off of the fabulous las vegas strip right behind the westgate resort or what used to be the Las Vegas Hilton. JT, you know, the PGA Tour has been here. The LPGA Tour has been here. Of course, the iconic Las Vegas entertainer, Dean Martin, used to play here famously about five times a week. And now there's an old statue of old Dino there behind the clubhouse. And uh, before you get to the first tee, just a wonderful place all the way around. What was it that you first start, or when was it that you first started playing the country club? And what was it that you really became attracted to this place by? Well, Brady, first off, how about the book right here? Okay, here it is. Coffee table book. All right, this is one of my favorite courses in Vegas. And, you know, I came out to Vegas in 1996. So I'm sure I played it right around 97, 98. And I've been playing it pretty consistently here over the last six or seven years. I've had a couple of friends who are members who live on the course. I played with you and we have the super contest event. And 
whenever I get a call, whenever I get a call to play Las Vegas Country Club, I drop everything and get out there and play because I like a good story behind a round of golf. Okay. You know, as a 15, 16, I'm trying to play and try to get down into the single digits and I'm playing a lot now. I love to play that course because you can score. I love the trees. I love that you can't get in a lot of trouble. There's water there, but I love that it's a fair test to golf. And most importantly, I love the makeup of the golf course because as you said, the pine trees, you can get shade in the heat. It could be 112 degrees and you can hit your ball right or left and pull under a tree and get some shade and cool off there. And then there's nothing better than after the round to go into that historic clubhouse where not only Dean Martin, but you look at the history of Elvis, Joe DiMaggio, a good friend of mine and mentor, Jim Brown, played there all the time when he was out there. So you feel like you're walking the course of the greatest entertainers and sports athletes of all time. And that's what always gets me excited to get an invite to play there. It's that historic. Yep, very well said. Uh, Las Vegas Country Club, it is a private club, just over 7,200 yards in length, 7,215 yards, a par 72. Uh, you mentioned the clubhouse, a beautiful old school clubhouse that was actually remodeled about six or eight years ago. You've got the bar and the lounge upstairs and then the golf shop and the locker rooms and what have you downstairs. Like there's the classic card room where the ladies play bridge and everything. It's just, you know, got history just spilling out from every. Every, every crevice here at Las Vegas Country Club. You mentioned Super Contest Weekend. It was uh, 2012 that the Westgate Superbook kicked off Super Contest Weekend and, of course, held the Super Contest Golf Tournament right across the street here at Las Vegas Country Club. As you know, I actually came up with the idea for Super Contest mm -hmm. Weekend, and our mutual friend, Jay Cornegay, the Vice President of Race and Sports, at the Superbook. He really liked the idea and he started a whole handicapping super contest weekend right before football season, right before the super contest begins. And that's been running ever since. And you and I, Matt Humans, we have all played in that event a number of times. Yeah, I love it. It's a great event. And obviously when anybody who gets an invite to play in that for a sponsorship or wants to get out and play, it's fantastic because you understand the gravity of the golf in front of you everybody's having a good time. Everybody's talking sports on the first tee and warming up and having a good time. And I want to go back to what you mentioned about the clubhouse. Whenever I've been in that clubhouse, it's got such an old school vibe, but they remodeled it and made it nice. You can get any beverage you want. You can have one of the best salads I've ever had. You can get anything off their menu. They always have a great chef on site. And then you can roam around and look around at the locker room, as you said, and go upstairs, downstairs. They've had you know, big events there, weddings on the patio out there. And if it's not too hot, as you and I have done in the past with friends, you just sit out on the patio and look back, not towards the strip, but the backside of Las Vegas Country Club to see all the foliage and trees. And if the sun is setting after you're around, look, there's Shadow Creek, there's the summit. We know all the great courses in this town. But just something about this course is the perfect anecdote if you want to relax, have fun, and really take a walk back down memory lane. Ah, that patio you bring up is outstanding. There's really two levels to this clubhouse, and they have an upper deck patio that looks out 
all over the golf course and right beyond that Dean Martin stat, uh, statue. You're right. That's a, that's a gem, that upstairs patio for sure. Uh, let's talk about the experience. And you alluded to it a little bit here. This golf course has a ton of room off the tee. You're never going to get in too much trouble here. And you might be able to play the entire round without actually losing a single golf ball. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's easy, JT. The greens are in terrific shape. There's some subtle breaks on these greens. The par threes can be very difficult. The 17th is one of the best par threes in town. The tee shot sitting in the shadow of the Westgate Tower there. Uh, the green guarded by a front bunker where you've got to navigate around to find the flag. It's a high-end club, and it's certainly very classy, but it's never felt stuffy. It's just very relaxed, has that old-school Las Vegas charm. It's such a nostalgic place, JT. Of course, now they have the plane that landed between the 10th and the 11th holes. They have a replica plane in the pond there. Everybody saw that famously on the movie Casino. You've got the statue of Dean Martin. The new owners that came in uh, about six or eight years ago they really wanted to accentuate and bring out the history of this place because I believe that is one of its greatest assets, the history. It's been here since 1967, and I think they've really hit a home run with leaning on that history of this place. Well, for some of the viewers and listeners who haven't been there, it's a bucket list. The movie Casino, when the FBI ran out of gas and they had to land on the golf course, it's a great scene. So the replica is there in the lake. And then as you get to every tee box, there is a story. So there's a plaque on every tee box and you can read a story about a pro playing on that course. There's, I think it might be 10, if I'm right, there's a story about President Clinton and Michael Jordan playing on that hole and they were in the middle of a game and what happened there. So it's kind of cool because the flow of the pace of the course is fantastic, but you're there and if you want to clean your ball and look at the plaque and read a story about a home, it'll say six homes up on the left and there'll be a story about it. And again, that's what I like. I mean, you and I have been friends a long time. We've played a lot of golf together. You know, I'm not going out to play golf. I'm not the most serious guy. I want to tell stories. And when you get there with, with people who have never played it before, their eyes are wide open. There's six or seven spots on the golf course where you have a magical story and a photo op. And then I'm sure we'll get to it with the favorite holes, uh, two of the best finishing holes in, the, in all of Las Vegas golf. You mentioned 17 on that. Tee box, depending on where you're hitting off what tee, you got to carry the water and you're looking out to your right, the Las Vegas Hilton, now the Westgate. You're looking up at where Elvis and Howard Hughes, okay? Elvis and Howard Hughes had penthouses. And then you know there's a big water carry there and you got to really have your yardage set because there could be wind coming at you or sideways. And then you get to 18 and you're on 18 and it's a classic hole where you got to hit a good tee shot. I normally lay up because I don't want to take that water into play on a long carry. I lay up near the bottom of that hill, try to take it to 130, 100, and then try to get it on in regulation to finish your round. Because Brady, come on, you know going into that clubhouse, you got a nice cold beverage waiting for you. It was a long day. You want to finish 17 and 18 on a roll, even if you're not having a great round. You want to finish 17 and 18. And if you play well on those two holes, you feel like you had a great day. There's no doubt about it. You can kind of make or break your round with those two holes. 17 yeah. has always given me fits, but 18 has typically been pretty kind to me. You mentioned a favorite hole. Is it one of those two or do you have another one? Yeah, I, would, I don't want to take the easy road out. It's 18 because I think the stories behind 18 and it, in the book that I, I showed earlier in this is that more, more bets were won and lost on that hole than any golf course 
in Vegas other than Shadow Creek. I mean, Shadow Creek's next level, the amount of money they're playing. So you come up 18 in Shadow Creek and it could be for 30,000, 20,000, 100,000 if you hear some of the stories. But you go back to Dean Martin and DiMaggio and the legends who played there, they're all settling up their bet on 18. And there is a story about the fact that they might've changed one of the sprinkler yardage numbers back there and made it 10 yards longer. Set from 110, which it should be 130. So some bets were settled with guys going in the water. And it's a tough way to end around because you've got to attack that pin on a second shot, which is going to be a long one or a shorter one where you got to dial in a wedge, a nine iron, and get it right. And if you go over the back, you're in the bunker, the back bunker on 18. And I've been there a bunch of times. And then you got to make sure you hit it clean out of that bunker because if you don't, it's going to roll off the green and go into the water protecting the one, uh, front side of it. So it's a great, great hole. I, like you, think 17 is fantastic. Most of the people that play it will walk away and say, number one, because of the history of the clubhouse and the Dean statue behind you, but 17 and 18 are my two favorite holes. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll get you my favorite hole and, and my favorite story. I really love number nine. And number nine mm -hmm. is the par five that comes back towards the clubhouse. And you can really unleash the driver. You can let the driver go. It's a slight dog leg to the left. There is a bunker on the left-hand side of the fairway that can catch an errant drive for sure. Then you've got the big pond in front of the green. And I'll tell you what, rarely do I go for this green in two. It's just really risky to try and go all the way over that pond. If you're in a scramble or something like that, you know, and one guy's got yeah. a good safe shot, you can maybe whip out the three wood and try and go for it. Uh, but usually I'm laying up into in front of the water and then hitting a wedge onto the green, a big putting surface on the ninth hole. But I've made birdie there. I've made a snowman there. It's just a really good hole that also has a beautiful backdrop as you come towards the clubhouse there. And uh, I love the ninth hole. I'll tell you my favorite story. My favorite story involves your favorite hole, the 18th hole. I mentioned at the top of the show, Las Vegas Country Club opened up in 1967. There was hardly anything on the Las Vegas Strip at that time. And before it became the Las Vegas Country Club, this was a horse racing track. And when they were building the golf course and designing the 18th hole, they had trouble pulling the footings, the concrete footings. They could not extricate the foundation of the grandstands from the racetrack from the ground. So they said the heck with it. They just threw a bunch of dirt on top of the grandstands and built the 18th hole over the racetrack grandstands. And that's why to this day, you have kind of an ascending hill that rises up the 18th fairway and right about where a good drive lands, that's where it starts to go downhill and towards the water and towards the green. But that, that hill there, that kind of elongated mound is the dirt that went over the grandstands from the racetrack back in the early 60s. Yeah, and you, you said that story perfectly because there is a sway to it, right? It feels like a little bit of a sway, like a roller coaster. And I've heard that story too from you in the past. And it's it's just fantastic because you just feel it. You just feel it there. And you know now everything's changed closer to the strip. You got the convention center, the back end on Joe Brown there, and you got the West Gate. And it's a little bit louder than it was. But can you imagine back in the day when it was built and how quiet it was in the neighborhood? One other point I want to make, which I've said this, I got friends who live on the golf course. So I'll text my buddy, Billy Cancun, when I'm on five, because he lives on six, or another friend of mine, they say, I'm coming up six, and they'll meet me at the fence line with a cocktail, right? They'll say, okay, mm -hmm. hey, man, we got a beverage for you, this or that. I love that about the story. And 
It's just some of the homes you look and I want to ask you this, Brady, some of the homes, I know that the way they have it and set up with the history of that golf course in the homes, you just can't plow down 10 of them and build a super mansion because if you could, everyone would have done that. You could see some old homes that have a beautiful touch and texture to it. And then you'll see two kind of condo townhouses next to it that really need an upgrade. Then the house from Casino. And I always wondered why they didn't scrape the majority of it and build these, you know, 30,000 square foot mansions, but I just don't think you can zone homes that way in that community. Yeah, I think it's something about the bylaws that are written in with the yeah, club as is. well. I, I think the golf course has to remain. They cannot plow it. And, and that probably involves some of the properties as well. As far as membership information, they have a number of different membership levels. I think for a full golf membership, it's pretty darn affordable. It's like $10,000 yeah. with monthly dues around 1200 or so. You can also play this as a daily fee course. Uh, they do have a limited number of uh, openings for outside play on a daily basis. And depending on what time of the year, maybe during the summertime, it might be 150 bucks during the prime time in the spring and the fall, closer to $400. But uh, if you want any more information information on the Las Vegas Country Club, you can go online to lasvegascc.com or you can give them a phone call 702-734-1122 and tell them the fellas from the Heat Strokes podcast sent you. Uh, JT, you can also find them on our website at deadheatgolf.com. It's one of our featured golf courses and listed under our sponsors as well. Uh, we're gonna get to the picks now. We'll take a quick break. It's onto the RBC Heritage. We'll get to our picks for all the best golfers at Harbortown. All the best golfers in the world are there this week. An elevated event this year for the RBC Heritage. It really ought to be something. A word from our sponsors coming up. And folks, take a listen to these sponsors. They really are excellent. Football co uh, Footballcontest.com. Remember, use the promo code HEAT to save $50 on that, Las Vegas Advisor, Bascent Realty Group, and then also Play Studios. We'll be right back with more of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas in just a moment. When the Heat Strokes crew isn't burning up the hottest golf courses in the country, playing a game we'd all spend a lifetime trying to master, they're doing something just as smoking, but a whole lot easier. They're playing My Vegas Slots. It's a top-ranked, free-to-play mobile app that lets you earn valuable real-world rewards from some amazing partners like MGM Grand, Bellagio, and Norwegian Cruise Line. You can score rooms, great meals, show tickets, and more just for playing. Download My Vegas Slots today from your favorite app store. And if you're anything like Brady and Matt, we know you're going to love it. And that's something you can bet on. Have you ever wanted to play in one of the biggest football contests in Las Vegas and win a million dollars or more? At footballcontest.com, find out how to sign up and make your picks through Nevada's most experienced proxy service. You do the handicapping, we do the legwork. And our service is a convenience for both locals and non-residents alike. Over the past decade, Thousands have trusted footballcontest.com as their proxy service and have collected winnings of over $10 million. Whether you're a fan of five picks against the spread or survivor pools, footballcontest.com has all the information you need to get started. You pick the winners, we submit your picks. It's that easy at footballcontest.com. Attention all real estate buyers, sellers, and investors. 
Are you looking for a trustworthy and experienced team to help you navigate the Las Vegas, Southern Nevada market? Look no further than Bassent Realty Group, specializing in residential, commercial, and investment properties. With over nine years of experience in the industry, we have the knowledge and skills to help you find the perfect property or investment opportunity. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're committed to providing exceptional service and delivering results. Contact us today to take the first step towards achieving your real estate goals in Las Vegas and Southern Nevada. Call now, 702-339-8052 or go to BassentRealty.com. Want to gamble like the pros? At LasVegasAdvisor.com, you'll find the world's best how-to books, software, and strategy cards featuring blackjack, poker, video poker, tournament play, and of course, sports betting, including 2020 sports betting, Think Like a Pro, which contains an 85-page section on betting golf. And don't forget to check out LVA's famous member rewards coupon book, offering discounts on dining and entertainment, including a buy one, get one for the awesome lobster buffet at the Palms, and more than $400 in gambling free play, match play, and bonus offers. Up your gambling game today at LasVegasAdvisor.com. That's LasVegasAdvisor.com. Welcome back to DeadHeatGolf.com, home of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mandalay Bay comes alive as the fan district, the go-to destination for all fan kind. Gather here, stay here, eat here, celebrate here. Fans get exclusive food and drink specials and one-of-a-kind experiences loaded with giveaways, photo ops, surprise appearances, and more. And the best part, it's all within walking distance of the stadium. Get the party started or keep the party going at the Fan District. JT, of course, you as a longtime employee of the Las Vegas Raiders, very familiar with the stadium there, just a short walk mm -hmm. from Mandalay Bay to Allegiant. I'm sure you've made that walk many times. Um, it is time to uh, get to our preview of the RBC Heritage. I mentioned this year on the PGA Tour, it is a designated event given elevated status, a purse here of $20 million. You've got all the top players in the world here. A shorter course, this is really a polar opposite from Las Vegas, or excuse me, from Augusta National. They just come off of the Masters, of course, the first major of the year, a behemoth course, a, a beast of a course with massive putting greens, bent grass greens. And now we go to a smaller, less than 7,200 yard golf course, Pete Dye design. Actually, one of the very first projects that Jack Nicklaus worked on as far as his design career getting going. He collaborated with Pete Dye on this one. You've got some of the smallest greens these players see all year long on tour. They're Bermuda grass rather than bent grass, rather than the big wide fairways at Augusta National. Very very narrow fairways here this week. And JT, I was actually lucky enough three or four years ago to play Harbortown, wearing my hat today there that I picked nice. up in the golf shop. But uh, just a fantastic property. Dropped my son off at college at the University of Florida, made the drive up the eastern seaboard there and pulled into Harbortown. It's a public course. And I, you've played Shadow Creek. I've played the plantation course at Kapalua and Shadow. This is one of my all-time favorites, if not number one. The, the massive mature trees and the shadows that they cast over the fairways, the water features, and then you kind of meander through this forest in South Carolina, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, through the wooded areas for 16 holes, and then it just opens up to the coast, and 17 and, of course, 18 with the iconic lighthouse behind the green, and you're there on the water. Just an absolutely wonderful property, and we'll get to see more of it here over the course of the next few days this weekend. 
Yeah, it is a beautiful course. I was happy we were able to play it and watching it all those years to see Kuchar play well there and, you know, guys battle on that back nine and then to come out, as you said, into the coast where weather could be an issue. There's been times where there's been delays and rain and weather has been an issue. And then there's been other events where it's been beautiful and the weather's really good. And coming off the Masters and all the weather and the crazy weather for the heat earlier in the week, and then what happened at the end with the rain and the cold here, I think a lot of the golfers are going to be really excited to hopefully have a little bit more consistent weather and be in contention. And as you mentioned, the purse, I mean, we could do, I talk about this on my shows, the purse, the purses that are rising now. And for an event like this, even if you wanted to take some time off, why wouldn't you take some time off of the masters? We know Jordan Spieth's a little bit worn out. Other golfers would probably like a week off. You can't hear You'd like to. I mean, Rory's not going to be there. We'll get to that. But everyone else, you cannot turn down an opportunity to play here for the amount of money that could be made if you put together four great rounds. It's amazing to me. Yeah. You know, I think for so many years, making less than 150 mile drive from Augusta, Georgia to yeah. Hilton Head, South Carolina, it felt like a vacation. And it's such a resort vacation like area and golf course. And you just want to exhale after playing the Masters, but not the case this year. This is ramped up. And, you know, I wonder, JT, if the PGA Tour will consider changing their schedule next year. We've had the Century Tournament of Champions, the Phoenix Open, the Genesis Invitational, the Players' Championship, Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill, the Masters, and then you have another elevated event here. All these top players being required to play in these, they're playing a heck of a lot of golf in a short period of time, and they probably would like a break here and there. I wonder if they're going to have to change this up a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. Let's, let's dive into that a bit. First off, it feels like a long run. You know, I was at I was in Scottsdale for the Phoenix Open, and that was a top three bucket list sports trip of my life. Forget about golf. I've been to eight or nine U.S. Opens. I've been to the Masters. That waste management was next level for all your viewers and listeners. It was like nothing I've ever seen in regards to an experience. You have to make that a bucket list. And that feels like a long time ago And Tiger at the Genesis and the rest of the California swing until it went to Florida the players, and I was sitting there waiting for Tiger to come back, knew he wasn't going to play until the Masters. No Rom and Scotty Scheffler are playing great coming into the Masters, wondering if Rory is going to knock down the door. And knowing this event, Brady was right behind it. And look, the battle between Liv and the PGA Tour, the fact that there's more money in the PGA Tour now, and they're having an open discussion on how to reward the best players in the world, that's why we're seeing this purse. And that's why this is such an important event. And it's an interesting test because you don't have to be a long bomber. You don't have to be a top five drive, driver to win this tournament. If you got a really good short game and you're good green, excuse me, fairway to green, you can win this in regards to attacking those small greens. And you don't have to be super long like you have to do with some of the courses leading up and coming out of this. You know what, JT, you bring up live and how it's fueled a lot of dollars into the pockets of the PGA Tour players. You know, competition is good. I, I think... We, the first event that it seems like we've seen where you had a mixed bag, a true mixed bag of live golfers and PGA Tour players at the Masters, the Champions Dinner, there was no funny business. Everybody was gentlemanly. Uh, there was no funny business on the golf course. Brooks Kepka, of course, a live player in the final pairing, leading for three days of the Masters. I thought the overall winner was, of course, the fans. But also the Masters, JT, they, just the, the class and, and the elegance that they treated this entire situation with, 
I thought they were the winner. There, there was really, you, you didn't understand the difference if you were just watching. You were watching golf. Golf and the Masters was the winner here. And, and all the noise and the, the, you know, the arguments and the friction between the live and the tour and what have you, it seemed completely absent for really four days. And especially there on Sunday when we saw, I know you're a fan of Phil Mickelson, what a round he put together. He and that pairing with Jordan Spieth was electric, but it just felt like golf. And I think the fans and the masters were the real winners. Well, that should happen going forward. That's the big lesson. No matter where you stand on live, I'm, I'm PGA over live, but I love, I like a lot of the live golfers. I've always been a fan of Phil Mickelson, always Brooks Kepka, I'm one of the few fans of him because he won four times and he was really good in Ryder Cup and played for his country well. And Brady, we talked about this off the years that everybody better be on their best behavior when they're hanging out and they're playing at Augusta National. And that's the one place you don't want to act like an idiot and you don't want to do anything and you don't want to ruffle the feathers. Phil went into the champion's dinner and reportedly didn't speak because nothing could have went well for him there. And Kepka, every press conference he did was fantastic. It wasn't about him, even though some of the news media tried to bait him into a live discussion. Even Patrick Reed, who's polarizing, he understood the magnitude of Augusta National. And, you know, the big controversial comment that I've made all week is that you don't have the Masters without those live golfers playing. If we didn't have those guys play and show up in the top five, it would have took away from the Masters. 30 years from now, we wouldn't have remembered. We would have known Rom won. But now I'm going to remember this 30 years from now because the live golfers were able to play. Obviously, the winners of the Masters with a lifetime exemption. But down the road, it's going to be a great debatable topic if you don't have enough qualifying points to get in or what happens if they don't merge how long live will go on because i want to see the greatest golfers in the world play at the greatest golf tournament in the world and that's what happened and rom won at fair and square he mowed down everybody playing 30 holes on the final day and he won that fair and square with no controversy it's very very memorable that scheffler and rom went back to back it feels like player and palmer it feels like nicholas and a legend. I like when two potential all-time greats win back-to-back. -back. It makes that moment more memorable for me. Yeah, an absolutely tremendous season already for both John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, seemingly just swapping number one in the world rankings uh, every week. John Rahm now back up to number one after that Masters win. All right, let's dive into the handicap here of the RBC Heritage. I mentioned how this course is like a polar opposite of Augusta National. Uh, like always, I looked at strokes gained approach and strokes gained around the green. The short game and the iron play is going to be huge here, but different from Augusta National, I looked at driving accuracy rather than driving distance. I looked at par four scoring rather than par five scoring. We know how big par five scoring is at Augusta, but par fours are the key here at Harbortown. As far as correlated courses, I looked at a lot of other short coastal designs, Pete Dye designs. You've got Austin Country Club where they just had the match play, another Pete Dye design. YLA Country Club where they have the Sony Open in Hawaii. You've got Sedgefield where they hold the Wyndham, the Players Championship, TPC Sawgrass. You see a lot of crossover success between Harbor Town 
and TPC sawgrass. And then also you've got uh, other dye designs like River Highlands. You've got the RSM Classic down in Sea Island, Georgia. It's another short coastal design. So those were the kind of courses that I looked at this week and find that crossover success and guys that do well at this course. And, you know, looking at the data, it certainly spits out some of the guys that maybe you wouldn't expect. All those big names in the leaderboard that just came over here from Augusta don't always play this course and don't always play those other correlated courses I mentioned. But JT, you and I were talking about this prior to the show. I think another big part of the handicap this week is just how do you treat guys that played in the Masters? Jordan Spieth came out and said he was exhausted. You know, if you're a guy that was there in the mix and battling on Sunday, like John Rahm, he's going to be here. Victor Hovland, you know, how do you come into this week and bounce back? Or is it an advantage for guys that maybe missed the cut, like Justin Thomas, who had a couple of days, extra days off here to rest up, or a Matt Kuchar who didn't play in the Masters and, and didn't have to go through that grind? As much as we look at the data and the stats, I think the situation is big here this week as well. Great point, and that's why you're so good at analyzing and handicapping golf, and I look at it more as a fan and the historical aspect of it and who's peaking at the right time. And, you know, I would fade Spieth here because he looks like he's just burned out and he's played too much and he gave that to the media. But then again, I like him on this course a lot because I think he's not the longest driver out there and he's unbelievable with his irons and he can putt and he can get up and down. So historically, I would like that, but it feels like there's a little bit of burnout there. When it comes to JT, Justin Thomas, I didn't like his body language at all. I'd fade him now and he could pop up again. He looks like, and we got a little taste of the Netflix series Full Swing where Kepka looked like he was toast and look what he did. And JT, the family guy and the guy who wants to be, you know, rebuild and win and, and he's chasing his best friend, Jordan Spieth. He looks very uncomfortable, very frustrated, even with bones on his bag. He's showing way too much emotion for me. He looks like he needs to step away, and he can't. He's a professional golfer. You can't step away. You got to go play. And you mentioned Kuchar and all the years he's played this course. He knows this course, in my opinion, as good as anybody who will tee it up. Similar to Tiger, even if he's not playing the best at Augusta National, he knows every roll, every green, every side of a fairway. I really like Kuchar for a lot of different plays in this tournament again. you top 20. I'll go top 10. Because I think with the rest that you just talked about, great point. He knows how to dial in, got here early, didn't have to deal with the Masters, and he could be ahead of the game on this. But Brady, I mean, how do you even look at the Masters golfers with the delays in the weather and how they beat themselves up walking and just the fatigue that they all had? It was a very dramatic event overall. This would be the time to really question the top of that Masters leaderboard coming in here because those guys put a lot of energy to get into the top five, top 10, top 20 just to show up in the money there. That was a tough tournament. I absolutely agree with you. And uh, before much longer here, let's get to a man who not only played Augusta, uh, but is focusing on Harbor Town this week as well. Let's uh, get to our special guest picks. And that is Stephen Hennessy, the managing deputy editor of Golf Digest. You can follow him on Twitter at S underscore Hennessy GD. Stephen's been a longtime friend 
of my golf shows. And he actually got to play Augusta as a member of the media on Monday after the tournament, JT. He birdied number two, had a streak of pars, almost went even par through Amen Corner on 10, 11, and 12. He pars 15 and 16. He shot a 41 on the back nine. Just a thrilling experience for Mr. Hennessy there, getting to play Augusta and doing pretty darn well. Yeah, that's great. How cool is that? I want to talk about a bucket list. I got to bring my dad to the coldest masters 2007 yeah. when little Zachy Johnson won, but what a dream to play that course and have an experience and have memorable moments. Remember Tom Brady played three rounds in two days with Rory last week leading up to that too. And I think Tom Brady, Brady has a better chance of you, myself and Matty humans knocking down the gates of Augusta and getting out there, but you never know, man, that, that would be my ultimate bucket list in my life, taking batting practice at Yankee Stadium and playing 18 at Augusta National. Ah, I like both of those. Well, let's get to Steven's picks here, the outright winners. He's got Patrick Cantley, uh, who does come off of a pretty grueling Masters and has a tremendous record here at Harbor Town. Patrick Cantley at 12 to 1. He's got Jordan Spieth and going with a couple of guys that were in the cauldron of the pressure cooker there at Augusta. Jordan Spieth at 23 to 1. He's got Tyrrell Hatton at 45 to 1. Russell Henley, who had a brilliant Masters, finishing tied for fourth at 50 to 1, and then a long bomb, Tom Hoagie at 100 to 1. His full tournament head to head matchups Wyndham Clark over Sahith Tagala, Sunjay M over Tony Finau, and another fade of Tony Finau. He's got JT, Justin Thomas, over Tony Finau. And then the other JT, the postman, JT Poston over Corey Connors. His first round leader bets. Who's going to lead after Thursday's first round? Ben Martin at 90 to 1, Mackenzie Hughes at 110 to 1, and then some top 40 finishers for you. He goes back to Joe T, uh, JT Poston at even money to have a top 40 finish. Wyndham Clark at plus 135, and Brendan Todd at plus 190. Any thoughts on some of Steven's selections there, JT? Yeah, I like Mackenzie Hughes. I like that bet, the value of that. And I also like. Again, I'm really torn between, I'd go against that. We're gonna get into what I think coming up here. I'm really high on Tony Finau here. I don't like betting against Tony Finau here. I think Tony Finau has an opportunity to win the tournament. I like what he did on a couple of the rounds he had there at Augusta National and earlier this year. So I'm really, really high on Tony Finau. And I'm also high on Sun JM. So as I look at that, I can go with him over Finau, but I have those two in my top five overall with an opportunity to win outright depending on where the number goes off there so very interesting there and you know when it, when it comes to Cantlay at Brady you're great at golf man better than anybody I know he's getting a lot of heat in the media this week man the media is coming after him brutally for pace of play and I don't care how good he's been playing as of late he has never I repeat on this podcast never dealt with this type of heat he is getting obliterated on Twitter Every golf analyst, every podcast is all out on him for the pace of play and what happened at Augusta National. Now, he might take that as fuel. That might motivate him. But if he turns on a phone or he goes for his press conferences, free rounds, everybody's going to ask him on top of the broadcasters talking about throughout. He won't hear that when he's out on the course. But this is a big topic here. Great golfer. I don't know how he's going to bounce back to this. If he's got rabbit ears, fade him because he's getting some heat coming into this one. 
Yeah, no doubt about it, and probably deservedly so. He was yeah. taking especially long uh, in that final round on Sunday, and it was really compounded the problems for Brooks Kepka, who likes to play fast and was playing behind Patrick Cantley. Um, all right, let's get to your picks, JT. And mm -hmm. I just want to add to the fact that it's interesting both you and Tony, or both you and Steven, have gone kind of opposite ways here on Tony Finau. And maybe Steven is looking at Finau saying, you know, he had a very pedestrian Masters. I'm going to go against him again. But then that's the question. Finau wasn't really in the throngs of it at Augusta. He didn't go through the brutality and the sweat of being, mm -hmm. you know, in contention. And so maybe that allows him to kind of come in here a little bit relaxed and have a good week. Let's go ahead and run through your selections. Well, I like Morikawa because I think he's going to have ebb and flows to the year and he's going to play well, especially on a course of this design where he can get off the tee strong and then he can just fire away at the flags. And I think he's going to be able to do this. It's, it's like I say at every golf course, who are the pros that are going to come right out on Thursday, Friday and go flag hunting? Who are the ones because they're concerned about the small greens and they're going to want to put it in the center of the green to putt and stay in contention? I think Morikawa showed recently that he's in attack mode. I like him there. I'm really big on Sun JM from following him this year. I love the value. I love the value at 28 to one. I thought there'd be shorter odds on him. Justin Rose, you turned me on to him, Brady, as we talked about the Masters and the way they played here. And look, he had, they said it on the broadcast, Jim Nance said at Augusta, he still has a little bit of ability to bomb it when he has to, but he's very comfortable in his age and coming up a little bit shorter and being a great iron player, which I think he has to be here. And he putted well at times there. And I'll go with Finau overall. I'm very supportive of Tony Finau and what he can do with his iron play. And I think if he drives it big and he keeps it in play, even if he doesn't, I think he could be a shot maker here. He could shape his shot here and then get up and down. My only problem with Finau, again, is on Saturday, Sunday, with the tournament on the line or starting to come online, can he drain putts? Can he drain putts consistently like some of the top players on tour? But, you know, I'm on Sun JM and Tony Finau to be in the final two to three groups on Sunday. I'm going all in with them. I like the way they're playing coming in. Well, and of course, you also have top 10 finishes on Jordan Spieth. That's at plus 220. And a nice number on Matt Kuchar to finish top 10 at plus 475. Almost 5-1 to one on Kuchar to have a top 10 finish. I like that yeah. play right there. I also like your head-to-head -head matchup. Tom Kim at a pick'em, minus 110 over Sam Burns. Now, Burns was one of those guys that was in the thick of it at Augusta National. Tom Kim really had an impressive finish at the Masters, finishing 16th, but he wasn't expected to do anything. So I think whereas it could be a bit of a hangover for Sam Burns, it's inspirational for Tom Kim, who kind of may have just surprised himself, finished 16th at Augusta, and now goes to a course that is much more suited for his game, a smaller track. Tom Kim, not the world's biggest hitter. And the value on Jordan Spieth with the graphic there, I like the value for him because if I don't get it right and he wins the tournament, okay. I, I think a lot of people are not going to pick him to win the tournament but from his body language and what's happening coming off of draining Augusta National. But I can see him proving me wrong and being there on Sunday making a charge and finishing anywhere from 7 to 10 and coming to the money. But Kuchar is really the big thing here. I just like Kuchar. Now, if, if he top top 20 is not going out on a limb, I like to go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. I think going out there for Matt Kuchar, top 10, where he's been before on this course, I think that's what he expects to do coming in. I think he could fight his way through, not only making the cut, but coming through with a great round on Saturday if the weather cooperates. And Coach, 
could be, you know, attacking those greens again because of his experience. To me, Brady, this is just a top 10 on what I've seen recently with him there and how comfortable he is on this course. Yeah, he has a tremendous history at this course. He also just played well at the Valero Texas Open and mm -hmm. was a force once again at the WGC match play. All right, my picks, I will start with my outrights. My first selection is Russell Henley at 50 to one. And I talked about, you know, trying to handicap how these guys are going to come off of the Masters. Henley's another guy who I don't think expected to contend at Augusta National and just kind of found himself there in the mix and has to be inspired by how well he did. He's also number one on tour in driving accuracy. He was number one in the field at Augusta for scrambling. Tom Kim, your guy, you went with him in a matchup. I went with him all the way to win it at 50 to one. He was a winner at the Wyndham. I mentioned, I think that course correlates here to Harbor Town. He's third on tour in driving accuracy, 19th for strokes gained approach, sixth in scrambling. This guy does everything well, I think, that it takes to win here at Harbor Town. I went back to Tommy Fleetwood. A pretty pedestrian Masters for the Englishman, 75 to 1 there, but the guy just has such good stats coming in, and maybe he's more suited truly for this track. He just had a third place finish at the Valspar, which is similar, shorter ball strikers course. Tommy Fleetwood also a fifth place and a seventh place in his career at the Players' Championship, another die design. And then I went with Siwoo Kim at 80 to 1. Siwoo has won at the Sony one of our correlated courses at the Players' Championship, at the Wyndham. This guy has won on all the comp courses that make sense for Pete Dye designs. 19th on tour in driving accuracy over the last 36 rounds. He's 20th in this field for strokes gained approach. Chris Kirk, another guy at 80 to one, and he's similar to, to uh, Siwoo Kim. He's won at Colonial, he's won at the RSM. He's got four top five finishes at the Sony. He's having a heck of a year, JT. Earlier, this guy won at the Honda, has a top 10, uh, coming off of a top 25 finish at the Masters. And again, I don't think exhausting for Chris Kirk because I think he exceeded expectations. It wasn't disappointment like it might have been for Victor Hovland or Scotty Scheffler or Brooks Kepka. So I don't think a letdown is possible here at Harbortown, but rather a springboard possibly from what they did last week. Adam Hadwin at 110 to 1 did not play the Masters, so he's well rested. A 13th place finish at the Players. He's got two top 10s at Colonial. He's a perennial contender at the American Express and La Quinta, where two of those four rounds are played on a Pete Dye course. My final play, my longest bomb, JJ Spawn at 150 to 1. Uh, just this season, already had a 15th at the RSM a 12th at the Sony, and was just finished uh, ninth at the WGC match play. Also had a runner-up in 2017 at the RSM Classic, and also in that same year finished sixth right here at the RBC Heritage. Uh, accurate off the tee, great short game, good putter. Uh, so JJ Spawn made my card as well. Finally, the head-to-head -head matchups, KH Lee minus 130 over Adam Scott, Matt Kuchar minus 130 over Justin Rose. We butt heads a little bit on that one. I've got both of your guys in the same matchup there. And then Joel Damon at plus 105 over Scott Stallings. And JT, that brings us to our pizza money play of the day brought yes. to you by Dom DeMarco's Pizzeria and Bar in the Summerlin area, not too far from your home. I love this place for a good beer and pizza. We got to get you over there. You know exactly where it is. What are you doing tonight Absolutely. for dinner? 
I am ready to go. If I didn't have to host on Mad Dog 6 to 9, I'd be there with you. But we will go there over the weekend, no doubt, and get a couple of slices. Do they sell them by the slice, Brady? Because you know me, I like a large pie, but every once in a while, I like a slice or two. They've got just about everything for you, and it's not just pizza, all kinds of Italian food as yeah. well. Uh, right there on uh, Charleston and Wallapai, I believe, is where it is in the Summerlin area, Dom DeMarco's Pizzeria. And bar our pizza money play of the day, this one put up at the Westgate Superbook by our friend Jeff Sherman. The total score, the winning score at the RBC Heritage, under or over 267 and a half, and we are going under. That means we think somebody is going to get to 17 under par or better here to win this thing. And JT, I'll tell you why. There are some thunder showers in the forecast, and hopefully it's not as you know interrupted as the Masters was, but I do think they're going to get some moisture on this golf course. And if this place becomes soft and those greens become receptive, these guys are going to throw some darts and make some birdies. Well, because there's going to be some smaller hitters out there off the tee, I really believe for a pizza play, I like this uh, going into extra holes. I really do. I oh. think there's going to be a playoff here, no doubt about it. I think with this field, this field being this deep, with this many good golfers who can get to the greens in regulation, I think quite easily, that leads to a playoff, the way I look at golf. So I think we're going to get a playoff here in extra holes. And again, whoever wins, wins. But I think they're going to have to play a couple extra ones here, Brady. Well, that is a great pizza money play that'll give you almost four to one odds that there will be a playoff at the RBC Heritage. That is going to do it for this episode of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. In case you need to revisit all of the picks, all of the information will be up shortly at deadheatgolf.com and also on YouTube. You can check out my YouTube channel at Heat Strokes Podcast. I want to thank our crew, Tom Catlin on video, Jeremiah Crow from Green Roll Media on the audio, Trifco on the creative design, and of course, thank you to our very special host, JT the Brick. Catch him on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. We will be back at this time next week for another review of a golf course and a preview of the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. And for information on that, you can check that out on Twitter at Las Vegas Golfer. I'll have updates and also on our Twitter handle at HeatstrokesPod. Enjoy the RBC Heritage, everybody. And JT, please remind everyone, stay hot. <laughs> You've been dialed into the Heat Strokes Podcast with Brady Cannon, presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas and produced with Green Roll Media, the world's premier sports betting podcast network. Subscribing to the show on YouTube is easy. Just search Heat Strokes Podcast. Follow us on social media at Las Vegas Golfer and at Heat Strokes Pod. If you like what you heard, please follow, like, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Good luck out there sinking birdies at Cash and Tickets. Cash and, cash tickets. and tickets. We'll see you next week.